You are listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, part of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. Everybody across the land, here's a special from SequelCast, though I don't know what it's gonna be about. Maybe Woody Allen, maybe Spike Lee. Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast Special, the show that looks about whatever we damn please. Um, it, it brings me no pleasure to do this, but we we've uh, we do these in memoriam episodes over the years. And there is an actor that had a really extraordinary body of work that um, passed recently. We were talking about Tom Sizemore. Um, and before we get into his career, uh, I guess we'll introduce ourselves. I'm I'm Matt Bradley Shergy. With me is Thrasher. Hello. And uh, we also have Alex. Hello, hello. And I, I guess before we start talking about sort of films of his that we felt were, were notable or performances that we enjoyed, it's worth noting that there were um, several, uh, you know, he was a man that had a lot of problems in his personal life. Yeah, and in, in particular, there was an, there was a, a, a supposed, uh, I say suppose it's not the wrong word, alleged uh, incident of sexual misconduct in 2003 that resurfaced in 2020 due to a lawsuit, um, and we 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 can't we can't ignore that allegation. But at the same time, it's also outside of the scope of the podcast. But we we felt like we would be remiss if we did not mention that right at the top. It would be irresponsible not to acknowledge it. I feel agreed. Um... And with that, you know, I mean, man, looking at Tom Sizemore's credits and some of the a lot of these are TV, some of these are movies, over 200 credits on IMDb. Even what I found even more shocking is there's 32 under upcoming, some of which have been completed or in post-production, others of which I don't know if part of them were filmed or it was in development. So he clearly liked to work. Yeah, like Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I think he did who's, like who's, a like a Dennis Hopper, you know, like later career, like, fuck it. I'm, I'm taking it all. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong. I think with a strong worth work ethic where you, you know, uh, for actors acting is, uh, a job and people like to work. Some people they need to work, but other people, they like it and they want to do as much as they can. If, if they find the project interesting. And I think you could also call like Eric Roberts does this too, right? Where he yep. just does a lot of very different, uh, different roles here but i mean from from starting as like s- these kind of small background parts as like second mugger in Penn and teller get killed or vet number one in uh, oliver stone's born on the fourth of july um, Penn and teller get killed was the first thing on this filmography that jumped out at me <laughs> yeah and uh the stallone joint uh lockup i guess he's in there too oh sure with fun. um that's not the one with pele that's that one was victory but yeah lockup uh, another Stallone prison movie, right? Um, the Relic, uh, Heat was an early Devil in the Blue Dress. I mean, he played a lot of like cops, to, cops and gangster types. Um, he was I synonymous. Guess, I mean, like you couldn't watch yeah, a movie yeah. in the '90s without thinking of Tom Sizemore. Right. The actor I sometimes get Sizemore confused with is Michael Madsen, and I'm not. I think they would play similar parts sometimes, but they're definitely different uh, actors and, and and so forth. Uh, and, and just, man, I mean, we were talking about, uh, Tarantino in the last show we were recording and uh, I forgot Tom Sizemore was in there as Cody Nicholson, which is a Tarantino written film, uh, directed by Tony Scott. Yeah. And he uh, would c- romance. And, and he would come back in, in a, uh, film, 
a Tarantino adjacent film that I now realize I bring up way too often on this podcast, natural born killers <laughs> as detective Jack's yeah. uh, Scagnetti. Th- this is the one time I think you could be forgiven for not knowing Sizemore's in a movie because everyone gets lost in this movie. I have to remind myself that Woody Harrelson is in this movie. I have to remind myself that Robert Downey freaking Jr. <laughs> is in that right. movie. Right, kind of using a version of the accent he would later use in uh, Tropic Thunder as kind of the real voice yep. of the, the actor he's portraying, influenced by him it's working a, with Mel Gibson in Air America. Yeah, there's another reference, too, because the character of Scagnetti in Natural Born Killers was the name of the off-screen parole officer in uh, for Mr. Blonde in Reservoir Dogs. Of course. Right. Jeez. How could I forget? I mean, this guy's done so much. I guess we can just go. And maybe before we go round robin through different films of his that kind of jump out in his uh, filmography for us, I guess we can talk about the first time we've we've recognized him on the screen. Maybe the first time to kind of stuck to the ribs. I, I guess for me, that would be um, I thought he was very strong as Sergeant Horvath in Saving Private Ryan. I think that was. A, yeah, I, because. Uh, a, a lot of great actors in that movie, of course. I, I still contend Saving Private Ryan is one of Spielberg's best um, opposed to... I think the very end of it is a bit cheesy, but Spielberg tends to um, have that sometimes. R- regardless, you know, Saving Private Ryan, really revolutionary, really strong uh, World War II film at a time where they weren't making a lot of World War II films and uh, or war movies in general. And uh, as Horvath, he just has sort of like a quiet intensity to him and tom sizemore i think was an actor where you you look at his performances and he's always trying to get, do a, a, a solid performance and you look at his he has very intense eyes he always looks like he's thinking about something yeah he also in second private ryan this that's where i noticed him um i think as well i for a long time i think i confused him with michael madsen and george clooney together um i think yeah, just there's like sure. the salt and pepper hair and kind of facial build but um he has the best line in saving private ryan when he pulls the gun on the guy that kind of looks like ben affleck and he goes uh the dude says to sizemore goes what are you gonna kill me over ryan he goes no i'm gonna kill you because i don't like you <laughs> i love that line he says it wonderfully it's a perfect lurry right when i saw saving private ryan in the theater with my mom i uh there's a character that says foobar and my mom was in the army and she whispered to me that means fucked up beyond recognition and then one minute later someone in the movie explains what it means right yeah <laughs> Uh, I always thought it was fucked yeah. up beyond all repair, but uh, I've heard that version too. It, I think it maybe depends on the, the generation or who they heard it from. It's, uh, but it is one of those acronyms. Once you know what it means, you can't forget it, and you notice oh, yeah. it popping up in, uh, in a lot of places. Uh, Thrasher, there's which only kind? two kinds of people in this world: those who say foobar and those who say snafu. There's also tartfu. What's that one? Things are really fucked up. Oh yeah. Snafu is a very old one, yeah. Um, but Sergeant Snafu wasn't that the the propaganda cartoons? A uh, private Snafu, yeah. Thank they were you. animated yeah. training films that uh, Doc that Chuck Jones directed the animation and uh, Doctor Seuss uh, wrote the dialogue. No shit. Yeah, they're they're, they're also very accessible. Yeah, yeah, on YouTube and and stuff, public domain. I bet. Um, Thrasher, what's kind of the they're first more thing? More accessible than. More accessible than what? They're more accessible than Tail Gunner Joe. But oh, but as far as the first, as far as the first thing that Sizemore really jumped out at me in would be, mm-hmm. in, and I know I had seen him before this, but the one where he's kind of left out at me was uh, in 2000's Red Planet as Doctor Quinn uh, Burchanel, or Burke or Birkenall. I don't remember how they pronounced it. It's mm-hmm. it's not that good of a film, uh, and I think I may have even. Oh god! Now, see, now, there were so many. There were like two Mars films that came out. At the same yeah, there was time. Ghost of Mars, Mission to Mars, and Red Planet, which is so weird to me. Yeah, there was a real Mars. Theme. What I didn't realize until uh, fairly recently, um, I, while I like Disney, I haven't done the theme parks in a while, and I guess Mission to Mars is technically based off a Disneyland ride. Yeah, yes, it's a, the, in Tomorrowland. Brian De Palma too. Uh, yeah, which is uh, strange choice to say the least yeah to say the least uh and my mom uh i I never saw it but my mom had rented mission to mars and i said how was it and she like sighed and she's like it was like star trek on a really bad day (laughs) (laughs) but but mission to mars and i think i i 
I or no, sorry, Red Planet. Red Planet's the one yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. That's the one Cyborg's in. Red Planet. I think I and I think I may have even mentioned this on the show before because it's one of those movies where the script says one thing, but the mm. uh, concept designers for the film th- thought something else. And so there are these like organisms on Mars that are repeatedly repeatedly referred to as nematodes. Nematodes are non-segmented flatworms. That is what a nematode is. But the creature we see is an arthropod because it's basically a giant space locust. Today's show is brought to you by Epos Gaming Audio. With a comprehensive lineup of both wired and wireless headsets, gaming amplifiers, microphones, and webcams, Epos has everything you need to experience the power of audio like their H6 Pro lineup, which features two versions, an open or closed headset. The closed headset allows you to tap into exceptionally detailed audio and seals out ambient noise while the open version delivers natural, high-fidelity audio with an incredible soundstage. Both headsets include a magnetic detachable microphone and a sleek design that has no wild RBG configurations. Just good design. Listeners can save 15% by visiting www.eposaudio.com gaming and entering code EPOSFRIENDS15 at checkout. And uh, Val Kilmer is in Red Planet, right? Uh, yes, yes he is. Is he good in it? I think Val always does interesting work. Oh yeah, I mean he he does like good like he he all like you you could see him in this and think you know if they were to reboot Star Trek they could use him for Captain Kirk and unfortunately our window uh, of opportunity for that has lapsed. Man, but and and yeah. and it's it's one of those things like I think I think Sizemore does kind of get lost in this movie but he's doing a very competent I don't want to say workmanlike but it's it's again he's like he's doing a job he is doing a job. He's approaching it like a job, but he's doing it to the best of his ability. He's not phoning it in. And I think why in this, in the end, mediocre film, that is why it stood out to me. Yeah. He's um, the best film, and he's the best thing in a movie that's not that good. Right. Well, we can continue to go round robin here. We don't have to go in order with his filmography necessarily. But um, I really liked him as kind of a bumbling kind of criminal in a movie based off a novel by Dave Barry um, that wasn't really a big hit, but I, I got to go to a um, kind of early screening of it with my stepdad and he really liked the audience acted like it was the funniest thing ever. I'm talking about big trouble. Oh, Anyone ever see this? Yes. No, big, I big haven't. Trouble. I wasn't aware of it though. I, I have not seen it. But oh. it's it's important to me for two reasons. One, it was the first movie to tank, not because of its own merits, but because of 9-11. Uh, yes. And two, uh, and Dave Barry did an interview about this. It is explicitly based on his son's experience playing the game Killer, published by Steve Jackson Games. And in the interview, he had specifically said, oh, yeah, it's based on Killer by Steve Jackson Games, which was at that point probably the most media saturation Steve Jackson Games had ever gotten. Yeah, I mean, this this movie had, you know, Tim Allen and Renee Russo in the lead, but you had such a great character actors as uh, Dennis Farina, Johnny Knoxville, Zoe Deschanel, um, Tom Sizemore, of course, Sofia Vergara, uh, Andy Richter. You know, a lot of quirky, quirky little cast that with the sort of a crime drama uh, comedy thing, Patrick Orberton looks like he's in it, too. And, yeah, uh, I was direct- in that movie, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Directed by... Barry Sonnenfeld, who's who's good at this kind of stuff, and like I think, had it not come out around uh, not too long after 9/11, uh, this thing would have done better. Um, and I think also Dave Barry trying to write this kind of novel was him trying to do something different from all his uh, books that were either you know collection of humor columns or kind of an offshoot of that. I mean, in the 90s, I had a book uh, of his I loved called Dave Barry Does the Internet or something along those lines. Back, back when the internet was really, really new, like in the 93, 94. Um, so, I mean, this one, I think it, it's a movie worth um, searching out. And Tom Sizemore is, uh, is, is funny in it. And you don't really see him do comedy too much. He tends to play pretty um, serious characters. Um, Thrasher, what's uh, another one that jumps out for you? So this one, by an amazing coincidence, uh, my... Uh, 
my wife was watching this and I ended up watching most of it with her. Uh, I believe the day the announcement came out about Sizemore and that is the relic where he played uh, Lieutenant Vincent D'Agosta. Yeah, this is a good one. We rewatched it for the first time, like since it came out a little while ago. And I got to say it holds up pretty well. And it's got a sequel. So we yeah, can cover oh, no the shit. series. We can hmm. cover the relic. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, and by uh, by Peter Hyams, you know, really solid director who I don't think gets his due. Uh, you know, maybe best known for doing like Time Cop and uh, 2010, the year we made Contact. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of amazing. You have a standalone creature feature, you know, that's not a uh, franchise or part of anything. It's its own self-contained little thing. Well, what's so weird is I was actually doing some research into it. It's based on a novel that's part of a sprawling series of novels. And at the time, perhaps Hmm. they're like, well, we'll just adapt the best one. We don't have to do a franchise. This movie could not be made today without it being the first building block of a franchise. Oh, yeah. Sure. But he's he's fun as the the, uh, put-upon lieutenant. Oh, going through like the he's doing a shaggy dog kind of fucking John McClane thing. You know, he's going through a divorce. I remember he's got lying. He's like, how do I get custody of a dog? And then and then he's got to deal with the giant monster rampaging through a metropolitan museum. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real throwback creature feature of a movie that that, that kind of pull. It, it's weird. It pulls elements from pre Jurassic Park and post Jurassic Park, like seat like monster films. Um, and yes, some, uh, some of the CGI does not hold up. Uh, it didn't even hold up at the time. Right. But it's it's the energy of the film is infectious. Like if you can buy into it in the early scenes, it will carry you through. This is uh, this is what I'd refer to as a beer drinking movie. Hmm. This is like a movie you watch with like a six pack and a couple buddies. This is like your your a Saturday night couch movie. You know, like it's don't yeah, think yeah. too hard on it. Don't look too deep into it. Um, but it's pretty fucking fun while it's on. Awesome. Well, Alex, what's a what's another thing in his filmography that jumps out to you? A good uh, a big one for me. Performance. Big big one is um a big one and it's an interesting one. It's Heat. Michael Mann's Heat. Fucking phenomenal film. Well, the thing I find fascinating with Tom Sizemore in this movie is that, I mean, look at the cast for Heat. This is a deep fucking bench. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, John Voight, Val Kilmer, uh, Ashley Judd, um, fucking Wes Studi. This is a a young Natalie Portman, uh, William Fickner, Danny Trejo. And he's not like a supporting, like on the fringe character. He's one of the main dudes in like the bank robbing crew, you know? He's a major character. He holds his own, again, amongst, you know, Pacino, De Niro, Kilmer. And it's funny because he didn't have a career like those guys. He didn't, like, come up through the new Hollywood. He wasn't part of, like, you know, the Method School. He wasn't part of, like, you know, the second wave of actor studio guys. Um, He was kind of doing his own thing, but he was like, this is very assured screen presence. He plays his character very thoroughly. He's a physical performer. He's he's good at action. You know, he can handle a gun. He looks like he knows what he's doing when he's robbing a bank. Right. And I just think it's so interesting. I don't know what I don't think anything kept him from being like a major, major star. But he maintained this profile of like a medium star. That that Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, I don't think he, he was the lead in a lot of things, but he certainly was uh, did supporting roles and. As we said, you know, over 200 films and um, he almost always had like kind of like the, the grizzled look with the facial hair. Never a full beard, but kind of the few days growth thing going on. That's what yeah. I always associate with it, with his if, look. If you needed a if you needed a grizzled like a cop or like a corrections officer or, you know, a private eye, that's your fucking or a cowboy. You know that he's like an old school studio actor kind of. You know, yeah, and he, he also looks like some, he also looks like a, a normal guy, and he looks like someone that could beat the shit out of you. Like you wouldn't want to run yeah, into right. him in an alley. Like he he just uh, ha- has a real toughness to his his whether it's real or not. You know, to his persona on film, just his look that I think you you always sort of buy him in in whatever he's he's doing. Like he's someone to watch out for. Um, 
Yeah, a movie that jumped out to me that he w- he was cool in is, is a very uneven film directed by Lawrence Kasdan based off a, a Stephen King movie, a Dreamcatcher. Uh, either of you I, see I this? I remember this. I've never seen it though. I I have. It is it is a strange movie. Yeah, it, it's worth <laughs> noting it's based off the book Stephen King wrote while he was high on pain pills after getting hit by the truck and almost dying. Jesus. And I, I um, can't help yeah. feeling that I can't help feeling that it's one of those novels that is very that would that is very difficult to adapt. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in the novels you have um, aliens and airplanes talking like Oprah Winfrey and stuff. Like the novel is much stranger than than the film, but it's essentially an alien invasion film coupled with four friends, kind of four guy uh, friends, kind of meet up every year to to hang out. And, um, and and have beers and stuff in the woods. And uh, they all tend to have kind of like psychic abilities. And uh, some of the aliens are called ass weasels that come up through toilets and, and go through your ass and kill you that way and possess you. And um, it's it, it's even weirder than I'm making it sound. Wow. Uh, and, and of course, this being Stephen King, as he does sometimes in his novels, uh, Donnie Wahlberg plays a character called Duddits, who is a special needs, who um, at the end turns into a scorpion to fight someone. Hey everyone, it's David Petrangelo, one of your hosts from Remember 64, the podcast that goes on the totally tubular journey through the Nintendo 64's library. Join us as we dive into classics from Nintendo, Rare, and into the early days of polygons and 3D worlds. Yes, we're covering it all from top of the charts down to the dingy basement and everything in between. We may even find a few hidden gems. Ooh, intriguing. Remember 64, only on the Tokyo Beat Network. But it, it, Tom Sizemore is kind of the, the number two uh, to the bad guy, uh, Colonel Curtis, played by Morgan Freeman. And in the book, I think that character's name was Colonel Kurtz, a, a reference to Apocalypse Now. And um, Tom Sizemore just gives a a grounded performance in a movie where everyone else is being really over the top. And, and we mean really over the top. Jason oh, Muse is in this movie. That's right. And he Jason, does, excuse he me, no, Jason Lee. Oh, Jason. I thought Jason Muse. Is it Jason Lee? No, yeah, no, it's Jason Lee, the skateboarder. Yeah. Oh, my mistake. I got to see this. But sorry, what were you going to say about Jason? Oh, no, just that it, it makes. Well, I realize it's inaccurate because it was all based around contrasting it with. Uh, with with Jay from the Buick universe, but now oh, that it's, oh. I know it's not him, that it doesn't make any sense. He acted <laughs> in a lot of Kevin Smith films. I mean, but he's just trying to do that the, the stoner type. Is that what you mean? Or well, it, make, it makes Earl from My Name Is Earl seem subtle. I'll there you go. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it also has um, Steve. I mean, I love Stephen King, but he he does sometimes has stuff that that reads better than it plays when people say it out loud. And so oh, characters time. will say like, holy shit balls or just stuff that is just like if your dad said it out loud, you would groan. But like if you read it written down, it might be OK. Like there's a lot of stuff like that, too. Like it's you, this movie is definitely worth watching. It's um, I can't say it's a great movie, but there's <laughs> nothing else like it. And when we it's saw an it experience. The, yeah, and, and we in college uh, with um, I had just started at SCAD, I think, and my uh, roommates and I went out to, to see it um, simply because what was playing before it, and they used it just to get people into theaters, I think, because it wasn't testing well, is that uh, it played one of the segments from the Animatrix. Oh, yeah. The, there, are movies, there are movies that made banks simply because they were adjacent to the Animatrix. <laughs> and unless you were alive the at the time, I, I don't think you can realize how much heat there was in those Matrix sequels. Uh, as, as I recall, oh, yeah, they were... Did, there was there one man, movie no, where they didn't show the deal. short until the end? Um, yeah, there was a few movies they attached the, some of the shorts to. This one, it was at the beginning, and it was the one animated by um, Square Enix's films team, Square Films team, where they did the Final Fantasy Spirits Within movie, and then they did the Matrix short, and they went out of business. But um, but it was like a people doing a... I mean, it was not one of the better Animatrix um sequences and then on the on the big screen you could kind of it made the animation not look you know it's like the stuff they're trying to make it look realistic but they also all looked kind of plastic and robotic and they didn't blink enough it was kind of the polar express kind of look 
Um, but but I, I I vividly recall some people in the theater walking out wanting a refund because they're like, hey, I didn't pay for no cartoon before my movie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, people not getting it. <laughs> and to be fair, you know, Dreamcatcher is is a bit is science fiction, I think, with the premise, and so is The Matrix. But it's not a good pairing, um, <laughs> to to say the least. And I'm not I'm a bit surprised why Animatrix wasn't in theaters as its own kind of thing. And I think nowadays maybe you would have. That would have been cool. Yeah, I could see like a limited screenings or something or tying them all together to a feature. Special Fathom event, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Thrasher, what's another uh, Tom Sizemore? So this is something that really jumped out at me. This is going into his, because he also did a number of television appearances, but in 2002, in the Justice League animated series, he played one of my absolute favorite comic book characters, Metamorpho, the Elemental Man, created by uh, Bob Haney and Ramona Fraden. Uh, in and short version is he's a he he's a world traveling explorer adventurer who gets ter- gets a monstrous body that can turn into any pure element on the periodic table, and. Sizemore is one of those, he's doing a voice performance, it's an animated series, but he's one of the actors who, oh yeah, he could have played this character if it was live action, both pre Hmm. and post transformation. He had that kind of craggy old world explorer look like he looks a little bit like a boxer who also explored the Amazon. (laughs) No, but it's a really good performance. He taps into a lot of humanity uh, uh, in the character. And in addition to doing kind of the, the the two the the tragically hip quips that the character is known for he can also do that whole you've turned me into a freak how could you do this to me stag like mm. he, he he gets the he gets the angst of the character as well it's like for for the and the dc animated you know universe beginning with you know batman uh the animated series and going all the way up to justice league unlimited and i think with a few sort of interesting uh properties that showed up later it's an amazingly well cast series but this is flawless casting among flawless casting there you well there you go pretty cool um alex what about you oh the seismorian Sorry. I think another great one, uh, another awesome 90s action. I want to do a twofer um, just as a cheat. Um, a couple of pieces of awesome 90s action movie making. I'm going to go with Strange Days and Point Break. Oh. A little twofer there. Um, again, this is another deep bench. Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, Gary Busey. And then you just kind of. Sh- you, you slide the Sizemore in there, and again, he holds his own. He's a recognizable dude. Um, I, I think he's just one of the, I think he's just one of the tweaker gangster guys, um, on the fringe of the the main bank robbing uh, crew with uh, Swayze there. But it's uh, he's pretty fucking good. Um, and I I grew up watching Point Break. I love that movie, and I, I revisited it as an adult this past summer. And it, man, this holds up. It's a good flick. Um, and then Strange Days, that's another one that was huge in the 90s. We watched it all the time on VHS, and once again, I was like, ah, okay, let's see how this holds up, and it's, like, actually even better than I remember. And, um, yeah, I definitely always remember the, the Sizinator, um, it's, being a it's pretty a common It's a fun bit of cyberpunk. Yeah, totally. It was kind of, like, before it was hip, like, before the Matrix, um, if, I think, like, pre-Matrix Matrix futurism is interesting. If the Matrix hasn't happened, the sort of tone and look of this film might have been what carried through in a lot of like contemporary and cyberpunk themed science fiction. It was also co-written by James Cameron. Yeah, that too. And it play and it plays with you know those kind of like sci-fi concepts where there's like a drug, but the drug is edited memories of other people's euphoric experiences. And the most extreme version of the drug is recordings of people's brains at the state of death. Right. And I think it like plays into that, like, uh, like this very, a, this anxiety that was kind of going around like the internet and the World Wide web, like the idea of people like jacking in and being disassociated from reality was like, I think something a lot of people were very nervous about tripping yeah, the wire and- with the console cowboys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. This like virtuosity, um, strange days, existence, 
Existence, yep, totally. That's another one. Um, there's a fucking Abel Ferreira movie. I'm blanking on the title of. It's uh, it's another like futurist movie with um, New Rose Hotel, I think, hmm. with uh, Ozzy Argento yeah. and Willem Def- and Christopher yeah. Walken. Right. I mean, there's certainly something in the water with that stuff going on. With specifically the um, what Strange Days was the one you're talking about. Yeah, like like Cameron was was married to um, the director uh, at the time, I think. So yeah, Catherine Catherine Bigelow, and Bigelow. Um, it's yeah. it's funny. I kind of like her. I like her modern movies. Like I love Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker, and um, what was that? D- Detroit? I want to say that was pretty good. Um, but I kind of like her early body of work, which is like you know more like just fucking like revisionist genre f- films, you know. Shoot 'em ups like fucking Point Break and Blue Steel, which he was in. He was in that as well. Right. I mean, do you, do you think she would have had more of a career? It's too bad there's such a big gap between different. Um, I'm sure it's not for lack of trying, but you know, between different films and stuff, it's uh, it's difficult to get anything off the ground. So, oh yeah, um, there you go. Um, yeah, I looking over his filmography. One that I enjoyed him in that I think is a, a film that was overlooked which is um, too bad was uh, a movie directed by mario van peebles uss indianapolis men of courage this starred nicholas cage but tom sizemore is a petty officer in it and it's based off the story that we hear in jaws that we hear quint say in jaws about a shark attack on the ship in world war ii oh the interesting indianapolis, yeah yeah so I mean, this movie, you know, doesn't have the budget that perhaps the the story deserves, but there is nothing like a good um, kind of battleship movie on on the seas. Uh, Nicholas Cage is a little stiff, but Sizemore is just again intense and committed. Thomas Jane is also in this. A lot of really good people. Um, is it what it probably should have been? Maybe not, but it it is uh, an interesting story and i'm a sucker for a movie where there's any part of it you get people in a life raft because that's just a recipe for um you know in- intensity and who's going to live and who's going to die and what's going to happen so yeah i think that one is um worth checking out uh, thrasher so this this is something i haven't seen but i'm wondering if you all have looking at his, his television work he starred it in a reality series called shooting Sizemore, which was just kind of like a slice of life reality series. Uh, but specifically dealing with him overcoming his addiction, which there are a lot of ways to tackle an addiction. Although I feel like in front of a camera is the worst place to do that. Yeah. I'm, I haven't seen that show, but I'm reminded of, um, was it called Rehab House or, or something like was it MTV or VH1 had one of those shows where they put a bunch of people going through recovery in the same house as each other? And that, uh, as you might expect, didn't go well. Well, it well, in fact, it happened because that was 2007. In 2010, Sizemore would appear in Celebrity Rehab with Dr. That's Drew yeah, and Celebrity Rehab presents Sober House. Uh I cannot think of a more unfortunate title. <laughs> uh, I think that that just proves my point. In front of the camera is the worst place to be when you're trying to un- overcome an addiction. Yeah, sounds pretty bad. Yeah, you were mentioning um, Jason Mewes earlier, and uh, at one point Showtime was going to produce a reality show focusing on um, Jason Mewes' uh, recovery when he um, oh, relapsed in the... Uh, would have been around the time of uh, the Zach and Miri make a porno kind of stuff, like kind of right before that film. Um, and like around the Jersey girl times uh, and, you know, um, cause he wasn't, he was supposed to act in that film. And then his part was played by Jason Biggs uh, just because he um, was, was in a bad place and couldn't do it. And Kevin Smith said, I hate to do this to your brother, but you know, you're, you can't be in the show until you get better um so yeah uh, and then the end, that ended up not happening because kevin smith thought the producers had blood in the water and, and stuff so he just kind of put the kibosh on it thankfully but yeah no i i think it's very exploitative it's um it, i think the one case i can see where it was working was uh 
Danny Bonaducci did one that was like black and white and pretty intense. Hmm. But even that was a lot of sort of theater and how it, why it was done and how it was done. And it was more about making him more famous than the recovery angle of it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, recovery is hard for, for, for anyone. Um, and, yeah, the last thing you need is cameras and lights and producers trying to get drama to happen uh, while people are trying to um, trying to get better, trying to change their lives. So, uh, Alex, what's a, another Tom Sizemore thing? I also realized that he starred in, not starred, he has a role in Born on the Fourth of July. Born on the Fourth of July. It's about Oliver a long Stone. COVID guy. He gets shot in the spine. Born, born, born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, had uh, one of, I think it was Tom Cruise's first nomination for an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. great watching him act in a movie where he's not trying to, like, fucking hang off a 747 or fucking cartwheel off a fucking helicopter or something. But it's, it's a just... rare Tom Cruise performance where he doesn't play a character who's an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> almost everything Tom Cruise, he's like a character that can't be harmed. He's, like, really smarmy. All the chicks love him. He's kind of this... I would say a modern actor that kind of um, has a lot of those same qualities is Dwayne Johnson sometimes. Except mm. Dwayne Johnson has some natural charm to him. Yeah, he's kind of like a, he has this like such a weird like persona of like, yeah, I will be a toothpaste commercial in your movie. <laughs> and, and I mean, just, just the whole, I was frankly a bit sickened by uh, Top Gun Maverick where it's like your movie saved Hollywood and how much that was pushed in all these news stories and it was like I mean other certainly that movie doing well helped things right um, but it wasn't the best movie of all time and no I think it <laughs> succeeded because everyone's a little tired of superhero movies honestly you're, that... you're right and I think it had been uh, um, decades since the Top Gun came out, I think it's a better film than the original Top Gun. I think the sound mix, it, it you know, deservedly won the Oscar for sound mix. But people were like, oh, it really could have won for Best Picture. They shouldn't have made a Tom Cruise Fractor. It's like, it's not that kind of movie. No. That's not <laughs> I, I, I challenge that it's not a superhero movie, isn't it? it he, he's Tom <laughs> sure, Stark sure. with a jet. Yeah. And um, there's a, a pretty embarrassing sequence in the film uh, to my mind, where he's uh, sleeping with a, a character who was like a child in the first film, uh, but 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 <laughs> oh, besides wow. but besides that, um, he he's like sneaking out the the back door like it's high school, or he's trying to sneak out her window like it's high school, and like has a pratfall where he falls in the ground, and the daughter of the the mommy's fucking is just like staring at him like, uh, oh, what you doing there? Bopo or whatever. Fucking <laughs> mongoose fucking it's just like, such, like He's a bit old for that, not to mention, I'm sure. And I, I think I, it feels like in the movie they probably use CG maybe to get rid of some of the wrinkles or something. Like his face looks a bit weirdly smooth. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. It, it, it's not just him they do that for. I mean, there's a lot of movies where they do that for actors and, and TV for that matter. And um, I, I think there's interesting stuff in that movie, but that... It's like Hollywood savior that Tom Cruise is constantly Hollywood savior and well, untouchable, also, even after all the Scientology uh, right. documentaries. Took, uh, the, with the, I think the thing with Maverick is I think one of the mistakes they, with Maverick is that it takes itself just a little too fucking seriously. Because yeah. I think like Tony Scott is a sense of like irreverence and I think a sense of humor. And it's kind of like with Top Gun, it's like, hey, I'm not asking you to take this seriously, but hey, we can all agree that like jets flying around blowing shit up is pretty cool, right? Whereas this is like the same thing, but like you've got like an orchestrated version of Danger Zone playing as your score. I'm like, are, are you fucking kidding me? Like, well, and then there's a comedian that was making it. It's hardly even a joke. He's right. The ending of the original Top Gun is like, hey, guess what? You just started World War Three. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's. And I, I mean, yeah, this is quickly turning into a Top Gun Maverick show. So eh. let's get stay on target. But no, I think, uh, yeah, Born of the Fourth of July, really solid. Uh, Oliver Stone film Tom, Tom Sizemore has a small part in it you can totally buy him as a Vietnam vet in a bar like, oh definitely 
he certainly has that look. I, I just hope Kenny Loggins got a big check. Yeah, I mean, that's it's funny you mentioned that because they did interview him. Uh, of course, they do a reprise of Danger Zone. They should have commissioned him to do a new song for the movie, to be perfectly honest. Um, a territory of upset. But they're asking him, well, what do you think of it compared to the first one? And he says, well, it depends how well the soundtrack sells. Ah, <laughs> nice. A, a, a really good answer. That's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, God, Tom Sizemore's uh, filmography is a bit overwhelming. All, is, and, yeah. But he worked with, like, Scorsese and Bringing Out the Dead. He worked in uh, Black He's Hawk really Down, Public Scott. And yeah. that's a side effect. Of being a very competent, hey, it's that guy actor. Right. It's um, Bring Out the Dead is a very underrated Scorsese movie. I think it got kind of lost in the '90s shuffle, but um, he's great in it though. That's a that's a good fucking flick. It's really good about like insomnia and just sort of the intensity of um, people doing that kind of medical job where you're just like on call all the time. Right. And you and have also, to be making decisions that save people's lives, but you're exhausted. Yeah, yeah, and an alcoholic, most likely. Uh, uh, yes, yes. And, uh, and a kind of like a restrained Nicolas Cage performance. Like, he's so good when he's not being stupid. <laughs> Definitely. Do I that? I'm looking at my DVDs, my Blu-rays right now. Do I own Bringing Out the Dead? I feel like I should. Where are you, Bringing Out the Dead? Oh, oh I'm baning my movie collection. <laughs> I am barely adopted the 4K format. Remember the League of Shadows, Bruce Wayne, Batman. Your name is Batman. <laughs> we may be creating the impression that we want to talk about anything other than Tom Sizemore. I think the sexual abuse divine. allegations have tarnished the atmosphere of this episode. It's not just, it's just, there's so many. It's just like, where do you start and where do you stop? There's so much stuff on there. I think that I'm getting a little overwhelmed, but um, I guess we can kind of wrap this up with one last film of piece, maybe. Uh, well, I would like, there is a, a an interesting anomaly of a film I do want to point out. Um, so, and I'm not sure we, we properly addressed this when we did the Of the Dead uh, films uh, series, uh, but Night of the Living Dead was not properly copywritten, and As a result, that's why there are so many weird pseudo-sequels and imitators out there. And one of them, in 2015, Tom Sizemore did a voice in the computer-animated unauthorized, but still technically legal sequel, Night of the Living Dead, Darkest Dawn. He plays like a, a, I think like a, a, a police chief or something who's in this CGI zombie apocalypse, uh, possibly possibly echoing like, well, we wanted to do The Walking Dead, but we can't. So what's a different kind of law enforcement person that we can throw into this movie? What was it called again? Uh, Night of the Living Dead, Darkest Dawn. Some posters also show it as Night of the Living Dead Origins. It, um, yeah, I can geez, see. This it's animation, the darkest before it's the dawn. This animation looks worse than the Resident Evil CG movies. Um, <laughs> the, the, the budget Tony on this, in it. Yeah, no, no, great voice cast, and I, I'm sure, like, it could even. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so I can't really speak of the movie. But just looking at this trailer here, it definitely has a scope that you never could get in the the Romero films with airplanes crashing into things and kind of. A big swarm of, of zombies right, going after they're you. Probably like CG looking shitty zombies. Oh, it's all it's all CG, right? The whole thing's animated. It's a yeah. Cartoon, so. Oh yeah. Like all those live action oh, fucking what? Disney movies. So Tech Nine, <laughs> the the rapper and hip hop star Tech Nine, does the voice of the zombies. Nice. Hmm. That would have been a fun day in the studio. This. this is look. This is I looking love, more I love and more the idea. I love thinking about a producer being like, now tell me, love, who's going to voice the bloody zombies? I'll tell you, Tech Nine. <laughs> he's going to do he's, he's, he's going to do zombie number one. No, he's going to do all the zombies. All of them. Yeah. Just imagine what people are going to say. We're going to change the game of the zombie movies. Fuck off, Walking Dead. Whatever the name of this movie is, the future of zombie movies. I can't even remember the title, but Tech Nine, goddammit, is going to voice them all. I kind of want a movie now called Fuck Off Walking Dead. That would... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, 
fuck off Mary, the Walking Dead. Yeah, that'll be the next spinoff. I mean, all, all the seasons of that, and then they're doing a gazillion spinoffs and prequels and things still. Like, it seems like... I get the original show is a big hit, but it's... Uh, Coral. Is Coral still on the show? Uh, I don't know. I don't oh, Rick, I gotta be I think here. he died. Good, fuck that kid. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know for sure. Um... Sizemore had a cool recent appearance on the show. I think some people overlook. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's called Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah. It's a spinoff of Karate Kid. And um, his role was uh, pretty small as uh, JT Taggart. But it's just to take Karate Kid, make it into a show that's like far. It's it's like funny. It's introspective. Sometimes it's even moving. It's uh, Some of it's kind of like the next generation stuff you would expect. But it's just a real cool to see him on on something like that and uh i mean it shows that you know it used to be the actors doing tv was kind of slumming it but i think um with the way media and stuff has changed i think you're getting often much better stories and performances on tv than in film a lot of the time there's um there's a movie he did in 2013 just called meth head (laughs) okay Oh man, it's got Lucas Haas as the titular meth head, I would assume. Um, where are you in this, Tom Sizemore? Uh, I, he plays I'm... Sonny in the 2013 feature by Jane Clark, Meth Head. There's oh, a movie. He was also in the Let's Make a Movie Out of Scenes People Recognize from Trailers paranormal movie in 2013. Yeah. The head yes, and... focus grouped Beyond Valkyrie, made shortly after Valkyrie. And he's in a Danny Trejo film called The Vamp Father. Yeah, I saw that too. It's, it's Father's <laughs> Day with a steak. Well, it, the the um, font is very clearly Godfathery. Oh, big time, yeah. It's uh, yeah, Trejo is cool, man. No, I mean, but yeah, that Time Sizemore did such a variety of things. I, I like it as a lack of pretension and uh, uh, a working guy has has got to work. I mean, there's there's a lot on here. I just really is talking about his career. Uh, you know, he was Anthony Sinclair in the, the Twin Peaks, The Return. Yeah, um, that was a good one. Oh, yeah. Like, if you haven't seen Twin Peaks, don't start with Twin Peaks, The Return. Oh, yeah, come on. Get your, <laughs> get your <laughs> head on straight. Yeah. But, you want to start with Firewalk with me. That's where it begins. No spoilers in that movie, I'm afraid. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... Even if you've seen all the Twin Peaks stuff, Twin Peaks, The Return can can be a challenging watch but that, that's what I, I like about it and to see just tom sizemore in there in a smaller part kind of just showing up just being really solid really intense is is good and it just i just want to see more of his movies looking at his big uh big ass filmography here um the one that that jumped out to me that i have not seen but i i, I plan on it is he did a movie based off a video game that is like a World War II set movie. Ooh, which one? Which one? I'm trying to see now because all the names are. Is it Company of, of Heroes, maybe? Let me, oh, uh, that sounds like a game. Yeah, it was a game it's got where a tank you're. Tank on it. Uh huh. Tank money. Yep, yep, tank money. So, Company of Heroes was just a World War II game where you control a very small squadron and you're trying to survive mission to mission. And um, Neil McDonough, Vinnie Joan, Jurgen Prochnow. Yeah, I mean, so good actors in this. Uh, I have not seen the film, but it's something that I wouldn't mind checking out. And <laughs> the second sentence in the in the synopsis says, Hitler has a super bomb in development. I'll tell you what, the so, game is not that over the top. The game, to me, yeah. I seem to recall being more uh, grounded, all things in particular. And like you die in one and two hits. Like you have to really plan how you move your soldiers uh, carefully. I just think it's funny that uh, it's like, oh, this is what's going to win the war is my super bomb. So I, I looking at like upcoming this like thirty two upcoming projects that IMDb lists. So, some of these feel completely made up, uh, such as the magnificent raiders of Dimension War One. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that's going to be, but the one that and like cheer bloody murder sounds like my kind of B movie. If it's got the mm-hmm. rest of humor, the one that really stands out starring as Colonel bill 
PTSD colon a soldier's revenge. I have a feeling that's going to be in bad taste. Ooh, I, I ah. thought I thought you would have said the one called Mob Humor 2022, where he plays DUI Louis Haha. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get to that, but yes. PTSD, a soldier's revenge. A lot of. Um, I wonder if some of these, when it says in production, if they filmed as parts or if he'll be, you know, recast or. Uh, it, it he'll have like a, appear in like a like a Zoom meeting. Like he'll have like a. You know, they'll just have like B footage of him showing up as like a Zoom character. Like, let me Zoom with Special Lieutenant freaking Declan McGillicuddy. I mean, that would be the way to do cameos. Just put everyone on put everyone on a webcam. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this one worked in Glass Onion. This one sounds promising from the title: Agents of Project Blue Book. Oh, UFO stuff. Yeah, UFO stuff. It looks like a period piece. Uh, Welcome back to Island. Yeah, welcome back to the 20th century for a story that actually occurred 100 years in the making. The time before Twitter, a time when people drank, smoked, and led short but exciting lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of these movies look very uh, fake. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of not even like ball movies. These like... are all like temporary titles. <laughs> Interesting. The movie so, you I mean, couldn't give away at a gas station. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, <laughs> as these come out, certainly there will be, um, you know, we'll be seeing Tom Sizemore in movies for the next five years, probably, with how these things get released, and some of them might not ever get released. Woods Witch, man, that's a <laughs> what a shit title. That that might be the best like knockoff Blair Witch title I've ever heard. Oh, when All two right, up and coming so... internet bloggers take on a road trip to film footage from the forest that is known for disappearance and death, they find themselves in a fight against the supernatural for more than ratings. Ooh. Okay, so breaking this may become my obsession. Um, so breaking news about the magnificent Raiders of Dimension War One. <laughs> um, so first, it's based on a book series. Ooh, oh boy. no! Called called the Pandora Age Chronicles. It looks to be a mix of CGI and other kinds of CGI, and it has a trailer. So feel free to look up the trailer for the Magnificent Raiders. Of I'm watching the trailers Walmart. using some out-of-the-box After Effects uh, special effects on that um, black hole there. It, I, uh, <laughs> uh, Todd Sizemore plays a character named Harry Stark. <laughs> so um, I'm. it makes me quite interested in the book series, I have to say. You have like a weird kind of weeaboo anime look to the characters with the... the flock of seagulls haircut um the the tagline on this uh is, is quite something uh hey buck got gravity bombs <laughs> Who's that, buck? that's gotta be an in joke i hope so who's buck what's a gravity bomb um <laughs> a bomb it's, that it, falls <laughs> it's it, it it's it's <laughs> Yeah, does it fall upwards? What's the anti? Or that be anti gravity? Uh, it, it's it's not only written but directed by the guy who did all the book series. I'm going to look this book series up on Amazon. While um, uh, while I Screw do this, it. we're a Pandora Age Chronicles podcast now. <laughs> I, I have to say, I'm quite to name something the such and such chronicles takes a oh, there's nine books. Holy shit! By uh, good old Dante. Are these graphic novels or what are these? Um, I, man, these is, is this one of those like b- bespoke lit RPG books? <laughs> so it's it's categorized as teen young adult space opera, two hour reads. I mean, so that's the thing on Amazon, right? People can call anything a book. Each of these are a hundred pages a piece, and you can uh. call it a book, which is whatever. More power to you. I'm looking at a sample. Oh, okay, it's a novel, but it looks like it uses some like computer illustrations Ugh. with people in bad costumes. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to read an excerpt of this, and then I think we'll close out this Tom Sizemore thing. Yeah, we. Yeah, that's how we want to so, end. Tom I think so. Um, best of luck, Tom. Uh, I, I perhaps it's fitting to end on a movie like this. I don't know. It just sort of speaks to the variety that Tom Sizemore did. Um, I'll read a few paragraphs, and this is from The Princess of Caldrus, Pandora Age Chronicles 1. 
the Pandoran Chronicles. Uh, you can get it for two ninety nine um, off of uh, Kindle. Uh, Father stood defiant as the agent strolled coolly to the gate at the landing pads. I've considered your offer for my son to work for you in the case, Officer Hammerstein. I think it's best he not. I could feel Hammerstein's regret like a heavy metal core drill, he thought, disappointed that he would have to resort to intimidation. He was an old soldier, long used to obeying orders and giving them. Long-winded pleas were not his forte. I could sense in his memories that it wasn't his size that had earned him respect in the world of constant vigilance, but a personal history of being first to strike and step into the fray without long discussions. In fact, it was when the enemy began long-winded blustering that Odin Hammerstein liked to strike best and strike first. Odin Hammerstein? Odin Hammerstein. Yep. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> if you were to do a satire, that would be the perfect name. And his partner fucking uh, Thor Ravage Mountain? I have to do two more paragraphs and then I'll stop, but yes. <laughs> I'm not at liberty to reveal the crisis surrounding the case, Sir Soul. It is pressing. Father looked back unmoved. Miners of volcanoes in the heart of a world now for generation. What, what, that didn't even make any sense. Uh, <laughs> the current scion of the soul estate wanted to understand before acting. Measure twice, dig once. Oof. I, that's things. not the idiom. Uh, yeah. That, but yeah. It would, um, there's a few versions of the idiom, but what's the one you were thinking of, Thrasher? It's, it's measure twice, cut once. That's the idiom. Ah. Look both ways before you cross wiping your ass. <laughs> I guess I the guess for that, that drilling is, it's is geology, baffling. so it would be it would be sound twice, cut once, or drill once, or survey twice, drill once. I am just baffled by these pictures, some of which are photo composites, some of which are looks like AI artwork, but it's not because it has the artist signature in the corner for some of these. Um yeah, I, I I'm just really baffled but you know good on him it's hard to write anything he did a nine book series and got to write and direct wow. it as an animated feature with real movie stars so oh no i mean that's that no this is an achievement make yeah. no mistake this is absolutely an achievement but i don't have to say that it's good measure um, twice or the, reap the awards and then be the for, president of Israel. To make things more confusing, the so the Magnificent Raiders of Dimension War One is book seven. However, book nine has the same artwork as the movie poster, and book book nine is called the Pandoran Wars Prelude and Empire. So way to rip off uh, Asimov there. It's uh, I love just pulling big words from various things like Chronicle Raider Upgrade Report. Right. I'll do um, one more excerpt from the eighth book, Havoc Storm, that I'll have to force myself to stop. I hope this isn't too painful for the listeners. This was going to be a waste of messons if he didn't take some prisoners. Surf and safari. Mustafa smacked Harry a high five as he came out of merge. Cat's paw is ours. Throw out a beacon with the Ahura Mazda flag. We're taking the nebula, Harry said casually. What Snickers Snickers and guffaws from the crew. They think I'm kidding. Go ahead, drop the beacon, he said. The Pleiades, too, were a region like this once not long ago in cosmic time. Today the marauders raid the burnished celestial wastelands. Today the bogies are creeping at her heels like a mysteries of death. But this day will pass. He gave them a rakish glare of challenge. We will take by storm, we will grind our enemies at our heels, and we will plant orchards of cherry blossoms and uncharted worlds, worlds that we will name. Plant the bridge cherry crew, blossoms? Yeah, uh, the bridge crew stared silently back. He returned the stare. Hey, man, we're making history here. Write that down. Wow, that's... Um, <laughs> um, I like the, hey, we're making history, write this down. That's, yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of that's a, a special kind of arrogance for the character to have. Yeah, but yeah, hey, Buck got gravity bombs indeed. Um, <laughs> it's a gravity bomb. Yeah. How do Tom, bombs normally get to the ground from a plane? Tom Sizemore, I don't know what favors uh, this uh, D'Anthony called to get you to do a voice for this, but um, but good on you. It's, we'll, we'll see if there's uh, Magnificent Raiders of Dimension War 2 or something. Ooh. 
<laughs> we can only hope. Well, that would take a second dimension war, and the very thought of that is so preposterous, it uh, makes me laugh. <laughs> you see, you have a second dimension, and then you can rewrite all your books in the second dimension. And have oh my be god, done. the gravity bombs are falling. And have them be done the by... The multiverse uh, version of the crew. <laughs> right? And then you have it written by AI, so you don't even have to write it. Don't put that evil out there. Someone's going to do that. <laughs> so Minority has... Oh, man. Okay, on that note... Um, yeah. So, um, Tom Sizemore, rest in peace. You, you had quite the, the very career um and i we have a lot to to look forward to uh based on that bit we just did so um <laughs> a lot yeah <laughs> uh but yeah i guess if, if i was to say one thing to to check them out in uh i, I would i would stress Dreamcatcher because there's no film quite like it and to see stephen king do a uh a book full on raw drugs and they actually make a movie off it. Hell yeah. It's, um, in fact, it was, uh, the director Lawrence Kasdan didn't want to do it, but his son, Jake Kasdan sort of said, Hey, you haven't directed something in a while. Why not do a Stephen King? And it didn't, it didn't do great for his career, but you know, later, uh, um, Lawrence Kasdan decided to, uh, uh, come back and write star Wars for a bit with, um, episode seven and with solo, a star Wars story. So Ooh, I like solo. No one else likes solo. I like solo. No, I, uh, I enjoy it. Admittedly, I enjoy it more for what it could have been than what it was, but it's still a very entertaining movie. It's okay. I wish, I hope someday we see the original cut done by the, um, directors, Lord Miller, Lord Miller, best known for Lego movie, um, where, uh, I, I'm convinced the footage in Solo of Solo and Chewbacca taking a shower together is from their version of the movie because it doesn't fit the tone of the rest of it at all. <laughs> and it's consequently a much more interesting and funny scene. Than like alluding to like the weird sexual relationship with the ship? Um, or between them or, or what have you. Yeah, I, I don't know. I... But I think that version of the film, which was mostly complete except for CG animation, I think it would be quite the, the um, thing to study. Yeah, I saw the little clips. I thought they were just like in the rain. But it's a shower. There's so, a scene where they're showering. Yeah. And yeah. I don't have that right. Do I, I have that right? Don't I thrash? I haven't seen. Yeah, it looks like theaters, a, but, I, th yeah. I think I think you're correct. I, I can only hope <laughs> that it reflects the shower scene from Tango and Cats. <laughs> Jeez. Um, it's explicitly sexual, which is why. Well, well Alex, what's if you could recommend anyone watch one time Sizemore film, what would it be? Sizemore, size leader. Um, let's see. Here on the Sizemore of us, we shall find out. I'll ask my associate, Bane. Tell the people what to watch. I am referring to myself in the third person. Sizemore, I recommend. You take a stroll down Los Angeles in 1995 and rob a bank with Michael Mann's heat. Yeah, no, solid. Heat's a, a movie I think a lot of people overlook. Now, you did have Michael Mann. He co-wrote a novel that's a sequel, that's a prequel or something, right? Yeah, I heard about that. They were like, it was like, they had been the idea had been knocking around for a while, and then I think he just figured make it a book and sure yeah i'm down with that so i think they might do a movie out of it i mean that seems like the whole purpose of doing it as a book but totally i would love to see that but i want it directed by michael Mann. i don't want him to do a ridley scott and just like fucking produce it or something right there's um what did you see what uh uh john waters did a novel a few years ago and now he's doing a movie out of it so mm. that's cool nice he hasn't done something since, uh, was it Low Down Dirty Shame, I think was the last. Yeah, Dirty the Shame, Johnny something Knoxville like that, thing. yeah. It's funny. Good, uh, yeah, I heard it was pretty hilarious. Thrasher, what's your last size so, recommendation? Or just sort I, of say, I, if you could I'm, boil it down to one film, what would it be? I, I, it's not boiled down to one film, but I want to recommend okay. another anomaly. Uh, sure. An anomaly which is a prequel, so we could potentially cover it on this show. So Tom Sizemore has a number of credits as himself, typically due to appearing in reality TV series or documentaries or uh, 
Oh, excuse me, or uh, on uh, Entourage. But one of his, probably his most interesting as himself credits is in 2010's Big Money Rustlers. Uh, you may not have heard oh, about boy. this movie. It is the insane clown posse Western comedy. So, oh, if you are, I have heard of you, it. Yeah. <laughs> if you are interested in seeing a horror core carnival themed rapping clown comedy Western with Tom Sizemore as himself, check out Big Money Rustless. Hmm. And it is spelled Rustless, right? Like R U S L A S. R U S T L A S. The prequel to <laughs> nice. Big Money Hustlers from 2000. Ooh. How about that? What a so... long and storied career. <laughs> you know, so if you are down with a clown, uh, might as well check it out. Yeah, I'll say my only connection to insane clown posse is, is pretty limited. I um, I used to live next to uh, the Hawthorne Theater, which uh, it, it's a pretty... Um, the bar it's attached to isn't bad, but the, the theater is like pure concrete hot box mm. kind of thing. And when uh, Insane Clown Posse plays, we made sure to take a vacation out of town that weekend because people would always get in fist fights. The cops would always <laughs> oh, come wow. several times. You'd see like drunk people unconscious on your doorstep. It was just, I didn't know they had such a strong um, following still. But so you had you had generations of uh, Insane Clown Posse. And, um, uh friend of the show, um, I can't remember his name. That's awful. Uh, excuse me while I look something up. Uh, I, if I might have an aside, I think yeah. had had Sizemore not died due to complications from a brain aneurysm when he did, he probably would have gone on to have been uh, kind of the next Dick Miller type. Certainly. Uh, excuse me. Nathan Rabin, friend of the show, we had on to interview yeah. a while back about the Postal uh, book uh, about the video game. Um, he had mentioned uh, he's uh, has been to the Insane Clown Posse. Um, what's the big show they throw every year? They do the... Um, the Gathering of the Juggalos. Yeah, Gathering oh. of the Juggalos. He's been to a few of those, and he actually wrote a pretty good book about the whole experience of going to one and what that's like. As an older man, compared the, you to don't anyone, know me, but you hate me. Man. I think is the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one. That's a pretty cool one. Um, so there you go. But worth noting uh, at any rate. So, yeah, that was uh, an episode about uh, Tom Sizemore allegedly, and yeah, it it sucks that he's he's gone. He, I think. Your your Dick Miller comparison is is well noted, and I was always glad to see him in movies. In uh, I think he he was one of those actors that I think always strived to do interesting work, even if uh, the stuff he was in was um, you know perhaps you know obviously different budgets and and quality and all these things. A Pandora Chronicle. Um, yeah, Pandora Chronicles, indeed. Uh, now you're making me wanting to start a show that's like um. The, the one that goes chapter by chapter through the shit books from the Mystery Science mm-hmm. Theater people. Oh, it's 372 pages. We'll never get back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up for it if you are. Uh, I'm not, but um, maybe <laughs> come back in a year or so. I don't know. But, <laughs> okay. yeah, we got to wait for the series to finish so we know how long the podcast will be. So so I, we get the proper arc of the characters, right? Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm sure that guy's interesting to interview. I'll have to cut this part out. Okay. So through the sequel cast special, you can follow me on Twitter at M-A-T-W-B-T. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at SequelCast2 and are part of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. Uh, Thrasher. And uh, yes, you can follow me on Instagram at WT2Art. Alex. It'll be an adventure through time and space. Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at CrabNebula1914. And um, drop by my YouTube channel, The Trailer Project. Um, I have an (laughs) award-winning experimental film called Burnt by the Sun, which is getting some traction. And also, I made another short film called Ragtime Sorcerer. Um, The title has nothing to do with the content of the film. I just looked at my favorite movie shelf and put two titles together.